ESPN's The Far Post podcast. We are back to chat about episode two of The Matildas, The World at Our Feet, the six-part docuseries streaming over on Disney+. Plus. We've already spoken about episode one, so if you have only watched episode one, go listen to that pod episode. This one's going to be about episode two. Again, lots of fun things to talk about, lots of traumatising things to talk about and relive. So we cannot wait to get into it. As always, though, we want to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands we're recording on today, the Wurundjeri and Gadigal people, and pay our respects to their elders past and present. Today you've got me, Marissa Lodanik, Sam Lewis, and Angela Christian Wilkes. So, friends, we spoke in the last episode about the Asian Cup and how distressing... (laughs) because I can't think of another word besides distressing it was, Uh, that rolls straight into the start of episode two, where we're greeted with Sam Kerr in the car, basically narrating her thoughts and her guilt and just how kind of devo she was after the quarterfinal exit at the Asian Cup. Were you guys as similarly just, like, heartbroken for her watching this? Like, hearing almost her innermost thoughts as she's driving around London being like, Oh, crap. 100%. I I don't sleep because I think I say something dumb to someone. Can you imagine Sam Kerr missing the opportunity to equalise or to win a game against South Korea in a major continental tournament? Like, be, uh, it's yeah, I would just be crushed into a ball of anxiety if that had been me. I did not have the resilience or the mental toughness or the self-esteem to be able to cope with something like that. And so to to see that she really struggled in the months afterwards and that it was something that she continued to feel so guilty about and feel so responsible for was really hard. And, you know, you saw in the, in the circle that they formed right after the game, I think it was maybe in the first episode or the start of the second, that she immediately apologises to all of her teammates. Like, in, like they're still on the field. They've still got their boots on and she apologises, you know. Like, that's a that's a huge thing. Um, and I, I think another traumatising part of it all is that these players, when this game finished, I think they sensed what was about to happen. I think they sensed the headlines. They sensed the criticism. They sensed the wave of doubt and questions and we saw it happen you know like obviously we, we in hindsight we saw it happen but it all came true all of those fears were realized there were headlines about Tony needing to be sacked there were headlines about oh have the Matildas passed their prime there was all this negativity that just washed around the team And it was something that they'd experienced before. Remember 2019, the Women's World Cup, after that whole drama sort of happened as well. Um, So they'd been in the middle and the eye of that storm before this core group and they were sort of thrust back into it again. Uh, And that that can't have been easy. So, yeah, um, it was was just really sad to, to see that. I do think we bring a little bit of ourselves with, this right because I think something the documentary has kind of done well is being able to convey the pressures around this current group of Matildas without mm. going too into how toxic the the kind of context became at, in certain yeah. moments so I do appreciate that like having someone like Sam Kerr speak to that 
I think is just a, a nice way. Well, not a nice way. Sad. The sad way. But yeah, the players are able to kind of getting it from that angle is nice and not from what was actually too much of what was being said or mm. too much of the reaction. Although, speaking of. Drum roll. Marissa. It was us. We're in the episode. Please. No? You've oh. already started. Do it. Talk about it. It was a great moment. We're, we're in the episode because like the, <laughs> second, the second kind of scene is um, James Johnson, CEO of the FA, driving in his car and it pans, or like it starts on, I think, um, what he's listening to on his Bluetooth and it's us, the Far Post pod. Um, and that Shout was out to episode. a friend of the pod, JJ, if he's listening. Yeah. Hi, JJ. <laughs> um, thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Um, but yes, very, very somberly listening because that was the episode where we had to kind of delve into what the result at the Asian Cup meant. And so, yeah, but that was, I, I like, we, I look behind the curtain for listeners. We all knew this was happening. That wasn't like a, a jump scare or anything like that. But it, even though I knew that we were going to be in here somewhere because we had to sign forms and stuff, um, I was still like, oh. <laughs> taking a photo of my screen even though i don't think i was meant to do that because it's anyway it's fine it's fine um mickey mouse arrest me come on you know where i live um so yeah it was like it was still like surprisingly funny to be like oh my god that's what <laughs> anyway yeah so i don't know how did you guys do you know what it... or... do you know what it was it was a really nice like comedic relief after like Sam Kerr has basically bared her soul with how much she is like still carrying the weight and the responsibility and then I got to do the Leonardo DiCaprio meme where I'm like that's us that's us and you know we had the dulcet tones of Anna Harrington basically saying like you know the Asian cup was a failure we can't really call it anything else but I wasn't listening to that because I was like look at our faces it's in JJ's car what a great so it was really exciting um uh, if anyone needs any sort of like indication as to how I particularly handle like being in the media it's the excitable energy of a puppy dog to be honest so that was my reaction to seeing our faces in the documentary (laughs) but yes it was um there was a lot of uh driving around in cars in this episode because the very next person I'm pretty sure that we see in the car is Katrina Gorry driving around the streets of Brisbane talking to Tony. Um, as it's already been pointed out, it's very funny that on her Bluetooth he comes up as Tony Matildas in her contacts, which I feel is just <laughs> intensely relatable. Um as a person, everyone kind of has, you know, first name occupation in their contact. So that was very, very funny. But it was really exciting to get to see kind of how her comeback went behind the scenes, just how much Tony was sort of involved in making sure they did this right, basically. I think that was the kind of recurring theme. How do we do this correctly for Katrina and for Harper? So how did you guys... I don't know if you guys felt it as well, but like getting to sort of re-watch and relive Minnie's story, none of it was new, but it was incredible to hear it directly from her in a way that we haven't previously. Yeah. Yeah, I, I love this storyline. I mean, the, <clears throat> the whole series is sort of structured with a couple of main characters. So Sam Kerr is one, Ellie Carpenter is one, 
and Katrina Gorey arguably is the third. And then you've got sort of some some minor characters as well, like Mary Fowler, or Steph Catley, Tony. This this storyline I think is so special in so many different ways, and it's it's so lovely that Katrina Gorey's narrative in this really reflects, I think not just how the Matildas have evolved over the years, but also how women's sport more widely is starting to evolve and to embrace women at all stages of their lives and to understand that women athletes and and women, and women who want to be mothers or people who want to be, like those two things aren't mutually exclusive, that we're moving into a moment now where those two things can happen at the same time. And, in fact, when they're given the opportunity to do so, it can actually make them better athletes as well. That's what I really love about this Katrina Gorey storyline because for those who are sort of pre, you know, weren't really paying attention to, I guess, pre-Harper pre and post-Harper, the sort of like BC and AD of the of the Katrina Gorey timeline, um, she was one of the greatest players in the world where she won the, the Asian player of the year. Um, she was banging them in for the Matildas. She was overseas. She was just absolutely on fire. And then a combination of injuries, uh, sort of slumping form, but a more general kind of just like falling out of love with football saw her kind of become much more of a peripheral Matilda. She sort of missed a couple camps here and there. And it sort of felt like the 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 shine had been rubbed off. It felt like the candle had been had been burnt out. Um, and and then she goes and and has a child. And it's something that she speaks so passionately about over the course of this series. And and how having Harper in her life, it filled in a piece of the puzzle for her that she didn't realize necessarily that she had. And it has given her a brand new perspective on football, which I think is almost the most impressive and the most important thing because she came back into the Matildas with a whole new perspective and a whole new sense of how these things in her life fit together. And she's become arguably a better player because of it now. We've seen in the last six months that she is absolutely crucial to the Matildas midfield. She is basically the epitome of how they play. And it's because she's been able to find this balance off the field and the people within the Matildas setup have created an environment that's allowed that to happen. So seeing Katrina Gorey speaking so beautifully about what it means for her to be a mum and her relationship with her child and how the two of them have been embraced by the Matildas, I think is it speaks so much to that old cliche that football teams really are families and this is a family that continues to grow and to blossom as more of the players have more kids and they bring in all their other partners and all this other stuff. And the the title of episode two, in fact, is is all about families as well. So, yeah, I, I, this this particular story is, yeah, it's it's very special. Yeah, I really loved the getting the perspective of Gauri talking about, she's like, football is what I do for fun or something to that meaning um and so like and Harper is her the center of her her world now and I think yeah that's definitely taking that and looking at how she's playing like that refocus I suppose has just like paid off dividends for her football as well it's yeah been such a joy to be able to see her play the past what was this a year year ago 
that she started playing like back in the Matildas again bad with dates and stuff but yeah and I I really love like we we talked about this a couple of episodes ago um what was it mummy's just on a tactical foul the fact that Harper has this I I just think it's great to see um like an alternative way of fam like doing family and, and having a family I think it's so awesome that more people are going to to see this and to see you know um a, a single mum having a baby via IVF because that's that's what she wants and that's her dream and, and making it happen and having that support around her and having a different kind of family to what we usually um expect or or see families as if that makes sense like outside of the yeah. kind of you know nuclear format I don't know if I'm making this too deep and too gender studies but yeah um I love it and I've had people in in my life I think predominantly from the football space who've done the same thing and have been able to and have had that support around them from spaces like the people they know from football and that kind of thing and have yeah um having a, a village raise a baby so it's very very cool to see that um happening at this level as well so yeah the cool thing was that we know that this is by no means the norm and this will have been by no means kind of a lot of footballers experiences this wouldn't be the experience of previous generations of footballers who had kids like I'm thinking of a Melissa Barbieri of a Heather Garriock where it wasn't just bad it was like I need to like use legal action in order to sort of mm. get what I want. So I think it's a really nice moment in terms of seeing how far we've come. And I hope that, you know, Bubs and Heather kind of look at this and think, you know, what I did helped contribute to this. Would it have been nice if I got to experience it myself? Sure. But what they did helped contribute to a culture and a team where now Tamika Yollop can have her wife and her kid in camp with her. Katrina Gori can have her mum and her baby with her in camp. And it's not just normal, it's really celebrated. And I think it was really beautiful mm. to see, you know, everyone else in the team gets behind it, loves playing with the kids. Even um, the team chef was playing with Harley and was like, oh, what are we going to have pasta tonight? Like it just seemed to add a real lightness to the whole team and I think it was maybe probably a good reminder, not just for the mothers themselves, but the entire team, that there are things outside of football and there's life outside of football. So um, I think it was really pleasant to just see that this is possible now and it doesn't have to be a burden. It doesn't have to be a big thing. Like players can just have kids and it can have absolutely no ill effect on a team whatsoever so I hope that becomes more and more of the norm not just here but across the world because we know that obviously players having kids isn't just an Australian specific story there are plenty of examples around the globe where teams haven't done their part and national team setups and federations haven't necessarily done their part so hopefully this is a good example of what can be done and that it can actually really help a team overall. Yeah, and it's kind of a nice segue as well, <clears throat> talking about the idea of um, of players as people and, and having all of these things occurring off the field and the way that that can affect the the way that they play on it. Um, in that this this episode uh, addresses the two New Zealand games that the Matildas play their first window back after the Asian Cup. Um, it's a really nice episode. It's a real reminder that these players do have all of these things happening outside of just what we see on the pitch. And if a player maybe 
isn't having a great game, it's, you know, we don't know half the story sometimes. You know, we see, for example, Mary Fowler, who uh, is still so young, I still cannot believe that she's only still 19, um, having to reckon with the fact that she's just moved overseas to try and pursue her dream and she hasn't seen her family, who she was so, so close to growing up for years. And there's that beautiful moment where we see them reuniting in that camp uh, in Townsville and all of them, like she sees her sisters and they hug and her mom, Nito, and they all cry. And like, I was crying and everyone was crying. It was just like, ah! it's, but it's like, like, it's, it's beautiful stuff, you know? And that's, um, it's a real reminder that, you know, when we talk about the Matildas, we're not just talking about the players. We're talking about the players' families. We're talking about all the support systems that have made these players who they are. Because ultimately the Matildas family, as Tony says, I think before one of the games, it includes all of these other people. It includes the whole community around this team that has been built over the decades in order to get them to this point. So, yeah, it's it's just a really nice, wholesome episode, I reckon. A lot of tears, a lot of tears. Yeah. But I, I do, I really love the bit where Tony's talking about how, um, like, kids are, and babies are a way for the the team, not just their, their parents, to be present and to focus on something that is not football. Like they they have that mm. benefit to having kids in in the camp as well, um, which I thought was I hadn't really considered before. So yeah, that was very cute. But lots of just I think there was at least ten scenes of crying in this app. <laughs> <laughs> it was a big and one how many for cameos? Uh, we were in this episode twice from memory. Yeah. So obviously the, the big one where we were in JJ's car. Hi, JJ. Um, and then there was a snippet of some sort. Um, but, yeah, just between Katrina Gorey crying, her mum crying, Mary Fowler's mum crying, Mary Fowler herself then crying. Like, it was just... Tony crying. Yeah. <gasps> Me crying. All us crying. <laughs> That was my favourite because you had watched it and you've messaged us in the group chat and you're like, guys, I've cried so much watching this documentary. I cried so much that I think I lost weight. Like, it's, it's like <laughs> there was a lot. There was a lot of emotions. And then if you weren't crying from, like, beautiful, heartfelt family stuff, maybe, like me, you were crying from laughter because the – the bit that absolutely stood out to me in this episode was Tony on the sidelines at one of these New Zealand games yelling out with like full voice, I love how we play! I love how we play! <laughs> and it was just, I can't wait. So good. For that to be a GIF or a video or just a reaction thing that we all utilise on the internet because, also, like, that's the thing. I feel like, obviously, um... With a documentary like this, Tony's obviously not going to be like, I'm actually an asshole and like pull off the mask, blah, 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 blah. But everything that we've seen from Tony has so far kind of been um, verified by the documentary and how he acts in a press conference is seemingly how he acts on the sideline and mm. in the meeting rooms and all of that stuff. So if you've thought that Tony's a bit of enough, he absolutely is. And getting to hear like that so specifically, just like, a bold declaration of love for the way the Matildas play. Um, it it was so good. It made me laugh. I absolutely loved it. Um, was there anything else in this episode where you guys 
wanted to talk about or you were like, that's something? I think the only thing worth mentioning from this episode is is the the way in which that first New Zealand game ended with that equaliser to Sam Kerr who just like crashes through a crowd and just like puts the header into the net and screams off in the 94th minute or whatever it is after that insane Anna Green shot from just bloody nowhere. Um and and the the reaction from everybody and particularly the reaction from Tony like after that equalizer it was so because the the way that 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 scene is built in terms of building tension is really really good like the clock is ticking down you see them trying to move the ball this way and that and trying to find an opener trying to just find any opportunity and you feel the weight of the Asian Cup loss sort of piling up on them and all this expectation you see shots of the crowd starting to sort of like lose faith. You're like, well, this meet like this is an important moment. This is a pivot point. It's like something has to happen. And then Kerr scores and Tony screams off down the sideline, yelling like, this is what we're all about. Never say die. Like totally buying into the into the the, the, the the history and the culture and the vibe of this team. Like that was what really sold me, I think, on this man, is that he genuinely believes in what this team can do. Um, and that was a moment where it felt like the team were reminded of what they can do as well and that this is actually who they are, this 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 fire that they have to never give up, even when it feels like the whole world is against them. So, again, I think that was a, a really nice opportunity uh, in terms of, like, setting up how the rest of this series flows and in showing us that that is who the Matildas are similar to that USA game in the first episode, the equalizer to Kaya Simon, they never give up. That's why we love them. And that's why they've gotten to where they are now. That is episode two of the doco. As we said, we'll have a little episode after each episode of the documentary. So go ahead and watch it on Disney plus and then tune in to have a little chat with us. This is episode two. We will see you all in episode three. As always, between me and friends of the pod, Joey Lynch and Steph Brands, there's a whole bunch of stuff over on ESPN.com.au and the ESPN app. As always, you can listen to us on Spotify, Apple, Google and all the usual pod spots. If you're listening to this as well, there will be dub content. We're right in the thicker final, so make sure you tune in for that. If you want to have a chat to us about the doco, about the dub, about the tillies, we are at the Far Post Pod on all social media. But until next time, see us. So